this is Jen. Welcome back to Paranormal.chat. I'm joined here by my brother Eric and my boyfriend Jesse. Say hi guys. Hey, what's going on? Hello. I don't know if y'all could hear them. They're mumbling, it seems like. We are not mumbling. You just <laughs> told me that I speak very loud. <laughs> no, now you're talking normal. Okay, so um, today we're going to be talking about... Uh, the Amityville Horror and the DeFeo murders that happened right before it. Um, but before we do all of that, let's just get all of the other stuff out of the way. Uh, you could contact us to tell us your stories. You could write them in or we could set up a time that we can give you a call. Uh, just email letschatparanormal at gmail.com. Uh, you can follow us on Instagram and Facebook. They're both at paranormal.chat. And, uh, yeah. Y'all want to say anything before we get into the stories? Uh, no, I'm, I'm anxious to, to know. I am not bringing anything to the table this time. I did not want to research anything or, <laughs> or <laughs> get anything. I personally do not like the movie. I uh, was never interested in it at one point or in, at all. So, uh, I didn't um, even watch the Ryan Reynolds one to what? That is I, ridiculous. Beefy, well, are you talking about how good-looking Ryan Reynolds was? Yeah. Oh, I mean, okay. looked, I'm not just saying he looked good. <laughs> I'm not saying he didn't. I'm just saying that just through the fact that it was Amiville. <laughs> I think it took away from how scary the actual story should be. Because, because how, how attractive good, he was. Yeah, how yeah. attractive he was. You know what? It's okay, because all of the movies were trash. Even the <laughs> fucking original one. God <laughs> damn, I could not fucking Stan Kathy in that goddamn original movie. Anyways. I just love how she was wearing pigtails at one point. That's what I hated the most. she's like 42 or something. Yeah, but like the pigtails. It was the 70s. I don't give a fuck. Oh, God. <laughs> um, I'm also kind of drunk right now. Woo. <laughs> um, but Measurements so, don't mean nothing in this house. Absolutely nothing. Um, so... I'm just going to say before we get started that uh, I did my research online for the DeFeos. Um, I could post the links of whatever I looked up because I still have them open. Um, but then I also used the Amityville Horror book by Jay Anson. And that one was like the original one that was written with the family. So Eric is also going to be talking about it. So... Uh, I think we're just going to be tag-teaming on that, because there's a lot in there, and Jesse, of course, will just chime in. Well, I, I, I think because of your, your opening statements right now, right, mm -hmm. this is probably one of the most documented, uh, because I think Enfield is like the most documented uh, haunting, I believe, I may be mistaken, but I mean, that, that's why there's so much out there, just like you, you mentioned. Uh, you could you could name off a hundred different source places that oh, you got yeah. information, because this I mean, this one is so stupidly popular. It has so many spin-offs that mean absolutely nothing to the original story. And what's unique about this story, I think, is that there's the kids are still alive, and like from what I understand, one of them is still like going out giving interviews and whatnot. <laughs> Still trying to cash in on that cow, huh? Well, I, he doesn't seem to be very happy about it, but we'll get into that later. Well, well let's start it off, guys, because yeah. uh, I got a lot of uh, disgruntled comments and 
stuff to just talk smack about this thing. Of course you do. (laughs) Okay, so uh, I'm just going to give a little bit of background about Amityville. Um, Amityville is technically a village in New York. It is a total of two and a half square miles. In 2010, the population was only about 9,500 people. And out of those 9,500 people, only 3,100, around 3,100 households were there. And about 28% of those was like multi-unit structures, so like apartments. Mm-hmm. Um, the ethnicities in there was about 82% white, 9.7 Afri- African American, 0.3 Native American, 1.8 Asian, and 13.1 Hispanic. So I, I think I, this would be one of the opportunities that I would be chiming in here is because your 0.3 or your 3% mm-hmm. uh, Native American would play into this because one of the beliefs was that the house was built on an Indio bar- Indian burial ground, correct, yeah. if I'm not mistaken? Yeah, and I actually <coughs> do have information on that. So um, it, I'm just going to be reading from my notes. Um, and so here we go. In the early morning hours of Wednesday, November 13, 1974, in the small town of Amityville, Long Island, New York, the family was slaughtered. Later on in the day, at approximately 6.30 p.m., Ronald DeFeo Jr. entered the establishment Henry's Bar, or if you go by the book, they say Witch's Brew. He exclaimed, you gotta help me. I think my mother and father are shot. No, no, no. You gotta do... You gotta help me! I think my mother and father have been shot. Well, I'm not that dramatic. <laughs> well, I, I think because uh, accounts from bar bar patrons there said that already it had sounded kind of strange. Like you was trying to sell it? Kind of. It, it's what I've read. Uh, it, it's not a very common fact online, but I had read from like three different sources that some of the witnesses claimed that it didn't sound right. Really? It, it, yeah, that, that he came in, he said it, and it, it sounded played up. Like, it didn't sound like somebody who was surprised and in distress. It sounded more like, I guess, he was announcing it. Yeah. You know, so. Okay. Well, uh, from that moment on, the family's fate became intertwined with the story of the Lutz family and their claimed haunting to the same house located at 112 Ocean Avenue. So, Ronald DeFeo Jr. murdered his family members. Ronald DeFeo Sr., who was 44. Lois DeFeo, his mother, who was 42. Dawn, his sister, 18. Allison, 13. Mark, 12. And John Matthew, 9. All were killed with the use of a 35 caliber lever action Martin 336C rifle, and all were found laying face down in their beds. His siblings were shot once and his parents were both shot twice. It is believed that his mother, Lois DeFeo, and his sister, Allison, were both awake at the time of their death. It was later discovered that DeFeo Jr. admitted that he drugged the family, which may be why there were no signs of struggle. Surrounding neighbors all reported not hearing the sounds of gunshots, and those that were actually awake during the time of the murder reported only hearing the sound of the family dog barking. So... It's funny that you say that, right? With the whole not hearing the gunshots, uh-huh. because this rifle is basically a thirty thirty, or it is a thirty thirty. And for anybody out there who is familiar with weapons, you know, guns, 
thirty thirty is a loud fucking gun. Like this is a super loud gun. Really? You could hear these shots from like four blocks oh, down. Shit. Like it is a very loud gun. And that's one of the reasons why <clears throat> it, it was hard to believe that he got off eight rounds. Eight shots, because it was two to the parents, right? That's four. Uh -huh. And then single shots to the four siblings. Okay. So not only is it strange that no one in the immediate vicinity around the building could not hear these shots, but that no one in the house also heard the shots. Even with one shot to be rung off would have been enough to wake everybody up yes. immediately. Right? So uh, also, I know this is kind of jumping ahead in the, in the story, but during his incarceration, well, not his in incarceration, but his in, in uh, interrogation, that's why... Uh, for a while, it, it was kind of played with the idea that he did have an accomplice, mm -hmm. and he was saying that it was Dawn. Yeah, his that older he was, sister. Yeah, his older sister, and because she was upset because her father didn't let her leave to, to California or something like that. Something that, that there was a family dispute though. Yeah, so uh, because he th there's there's even video clip of his actual interrogation where he's saying like, "Come on, guys, how do you not? How how can this not?" makes sense that I had somebody helping me. I, I had somebody there to do this. How do I kill six people without anybody hearing? Mm -hmm. And uh, it, it's it's interesting. That, I mean, I know, I know that's kind of jumping ahead, but... No, uh, it, it makes sense, because, I mean, these are two fully grown adults, and then you've got, you know, a couple of other people on there. And, like, what would what could he possibly drug mm -hmm. them with? Did, did they, do they talk so yeah, well, no, they don't talk about that. But he was a drug user, and mm -hmm. from my understanding, a regular drug user. He was regular into heroin, speed, and acid. So I, I don't know if those could have been the drugs that he used, or if it could have been something else. But I mean, it does kind of entail that he has access to drugs. Or well, what's weird though is I mean, to drug two adults and a couple kids—that's pretty expensive. To pass them <laughs> out. I just want to throw this out. Uh, later on, I'll, I'll tell you about his money situation because it's ridiculous. But what's weird, though, is that so this report says that they were drugged. But then when I was like, I listened to podcasts and other YouTube videos. And one of them, I remember them saying that there was no evidence of them being drugged. Mm -hmm. And I mean, so would, I would figure it'd be like a known stated fact that, yes, they were drugged. And they would tell you exactly what it was that they were drugged with. I assume, like I said, I have no not prior knowledge right. to anything. Right. I don't know it. I've, I so, didn't research anything. I'm coming in here just hearing what you guys are saying. So, um, I think also the reason why this gets really convoluted is because it was during his time, his court time, and I know, again, this is kind of jumping ahead, but it was during his court time that his, uh, his attorney, his defense attorney, was trying to... Uh, plead an insanity plea, or oh, like, yeah. in an insanity plea. Do you guys know and if I it was a public defender or just you know he, he was actually oh, paying out of pocket? You know, and that's and that's a curious question because I, I know it was rumored that the DeFeo family was linked to the mob. Uh, that that was one of the reasons or one of the stories that he gave, who had uh, murdered his family because that was the first story. He said a man uh, named something Fellini. It was uh, the uncle or something that was like tied to the mob. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, that because uh, Big Ron was, was his dad's nickname, he had done some work for this man named Fellini, and uh, there was some type of dispute or disagreement, and uh, it, it was known that there was bad blood. So he had originally said that this man uh, was the one who executed the family. Mm -hmm. But um, 
I don't know. I couldn't answer if it was a person, like it was a personally acquired attorney, or if it was a, a public defender. But I know that he was trying to uh, put together an insanity case, uh, and that's when DeFeo started. Uh, DeFeo Jr. started to put out a hundred different stories. Yeah, that. Like, I don't think I, I wrote down all of them because, like, I went down a whole fucking rabbit hole yeah. trying to, like, write them all down. And I was like, you know what? This doesn't even pertain to the fucking haunting. <laughs> well, I so. can just imagine <laughs> how it goes off into tangents of people's, well, you know, on how they got murdered. Especially if you put in mob stuff. So, so I, I would say this, right? And again, this is kind of jumping ahead. And I know we, we have to kind of work on this. But um, I, I do think this is crucial to what happens to the Lutzes, right? Mm -hmm. Because this part is is unarguable, right? Six people are dead, and in a pretty gruesome way. Yeah. So whether or not this leaves a residual energy for a possible haunting with the Lutzes. But I'm saying this is the 70s, right? Yes. Okay, and they use the what kind of caliber? A 35 caliber. Okay, if any listeners are out there that are around that age, you know that that's a very highly used <laughs> mob weapon. Just because. That's true. It, <laughs> well, I it, don't know that. So. Well, it's it's mainly for like enforcers, door knockers. That's that's how they come in there and they literally clear clear house and they get out of there as soon as possible. And I believe that since it's the what is it single action right? It's oh. a lever action. Lever action. So. What does that even mean? Like it, for people so, like me. So instead of being like fully automatic, where you can just keep pulling the trigger, uh -huh. right? And it, and the way a, a gun works is every time you pull the trigger. Right, the 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 slide comes back and kind of cocks it in that full Wait, action. So, like the and Terminator gun. What do you mean, like the Terminator? <laughs> so, oh, okay, yes. you're talking about Termin a lever action. He's yeah, T two or like he's. He, he, <laughs> yeah, he's sorry. The sawed off. No, it's it's a good example, right? But that's manually loading the okay. next the next. Uh, okay, I bullets, understand then. Right, well, so. Sucks to y'all if y'all don't know what the fuck I'm talking about. <laughs> no, no, it, it, that's a perfect example. You know, T two, and just imagine. A guy using that to kill, what is it, six people? Yeah, that's terrible. Like, I mean... His whole family, but... Well, that... that I'm going to stop right there. I'm going to continue. Okay, go ahead, go ahead. <laughs> so, um, okay, we left off that uh, nobody heard what was happening except for the dog, like, mm. barking. So there was no clear motive... That was ever discovered, only the suggestion that uh, DeFeo Sr. had a life insurance policy that DeFeo Jr. wanted. And he actually asked the police, like, during their first initial investigation, <laughs> like, how That's he right. could get it. I'm like, bitch, what? <laughs> like, you couldn't even wait I know. a full day or a full 24 hours. You're right. My like, girl. <laughs> okay, so um, well, so uh, I, as as far as my research had gone, uh, he had willingly admitted that he hated his family, uh -huh. right, and that uh, he also hated his mother's cooking. Oh, I didn't read that. Yes, uh, he he oh. would. He said that his mother cooked up some brown shit. That's terrible. And, yeah, that uh, so uh, I'm pretty sure you're gonna get into the the castle keep, right? You're here I in a bit. I don't remember. Well, so he also he, he also said, and I think this was the widely uh, accepted admission, is that he had come up with uh, the murders, or he was inspired for the murders while he was watching a movie called Castle Keep. And it's actually a pretty good movie. Uh, and during that time, another story 
that kind of corroborates with, uh, I think, an on-site investigator who was just so happening to be around the area that while he was watching the film, he was approached by a female demon in black robes that had suggested this and the weapon to use. And that very night, like I said, there was a witness, and I believe it was a detective, right, that was actually in the area that witnessed a female leaving the house that night in a black hoodie. Huh. So, yeah. That's strange. I'd never heard of that. But, you know what, I only looked, like, at three or four different websites. <laughs> but, okay, so this is a little bit of backstory on DeFeo Jr., because we all know what he did. So, this is... Ronald DeFeo Jr. was born on September 26, 1951, in Brooklyn, New York. He was the oldest of the DeFeo's five children. He was also known as Butch, um, and in the easiest terms, he was troubled. He was a constant target of abuse from his dad, uh, who was said to have a quick temper and was very domineering, as well as a victim of bullying from his classmates. Let's just say that his dad was an asshole. It's, yeah, basically. Well, I mean, and, and essentially Junior suffered from that because he had anti-personality uh, disorder. Yeah. Which doesn't make him crazy or anything. It just trickles down. It's, it's, it just means that he's an asshole. That's yeah. all it means. It doesn't mean that he's, you know, uh, insane or yeah, anything. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he suffers yeah. from uh, what we like to call Back to the Future Biff Syndrome. Oh <laughs> yeah, God. there you go. <laughs> um, okay, so he was constantly bullied by his classmates. His family tried taking him to a psychiatrist for help, but the visits proved fruitless and eventually stopped as he claimed that he didn't need help. His family chose an alternative route to try and please him with cash and gifts, mm -hmm. including a $14,000 speedboat. <laughs> the fuck? <laughs> well, see, but that was, that was Big Ron's method of, of trying to reconcile his abuse right is that uh you would shower on in gifts and money and there's even one uh, account of uh big ron beating uh his mother his wife right junior's wife and you know how he got her back how he co-wrote one is the loneliest number did I you know that no so yeah okay. have you ever heard the song yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. I, okay. he helped he helped write that song and he dedicated it to her i just want to say that i don't think he helped co-write it now the mob thing starts to make a little bit more sense. Like, hey, my wife's busted my chops. <laughs> no, you got a good song. Put my name on it. I'm going to call her up. I'm going to be like, babe, here. I wrote it. I love you. Come back. And it's completely possible. And she's, gonna, she's, yeah. she's like, I don't want to hear your shit, big one. Oh, my God. My face is fucked up. The girls are busting my chops. Mom told me you ain't shit. And, like, the song comes on. And she's like, oh, my God. Big Ron, he oh, really Ron, loves me. Oh, Ron, you're such a sweetie. He really Ron. loves me. God, y'all's fucking accents. And then, you know, she goes back. <laughs> and, you know, it makes sense. Who has a speedboat? It's the 70s. Those things are expensive. Wait, no, no, no. <laughs> I looked it up right now. Okay. So, $14,000 oh, in the inflation. 70s. Yeah. Yeah. So, today, that would be worth $79,000 fucking dollars. That's what yes. I'm saying. Okay, you just said he has a speedboat in the 70s. What the <laughs> that is a very luxurious whoopsie present. And then to say, Boy. It's, it's like if I fucked up and then I said, okay, hold on. Justin Timberlake, sexy back, you know, I co wrote it. We'll see, I but, but I think that's a testament, right? I think this is a testament right now because from going from beating the shit out of his wife and his son. 
we focused on the fucking gifts that they yeah. that he gave them. That's true. And that I think that's a testament to why he would shower them in gifts and money and stuff like that because they would forget about it. Mm-hmm. Well, and you forget also got, about it. You also got to think about it. it's the '70s, so like Everybody's there's no there's no internet, there's like <laughs> no immediate yeah. stuff. So yeah. the only way to actually show somebody is like go big, and like guys that can't go big, you know. But again, <laughs> mafia, mafia style. Yeah. They, they have connects. They're like, hey, you know, you owe me a little something. Just put, put yeah. that I co-wrote it. <laughs> I don't need no royalties. Just say, you know, I helped you think of the words because I was thinking of my wife after I beat the hell out of her. Oh my god! You know? All right. Well, let's continue. So, at the age of seventeen, DeFeo was a full-blown LSD and heroin user. The mix of drugs, along with his mental health problems, would cause violent outbursts at schools that eventually led to his expulsion. By the age of 18, he was given a position at his grandfather's car dealership, but he had no official role, but was given a paycheck. Must be nice. (laughs) So on top of his earnings from the dealership, his father gave him a weekly stipend as well, on top of the new car that was gifted to him. The money that he received was used on guns, alcohol, and drugs. Like, not a fucking surprise, guys. <laughs> and so, uh, eventually, this it was this is just a stupid harebrained idea that he did. So eventually, DeFeo Jr. got into his head that he wasn't making enough money from the dealership. So he began to embezzle money from his grandfather. And in 1974, he was trusted to make a $20,000 cash deposit to the bank, but instead staged a robbery with a friend so that they could split the money between themselves. (laughs) And then when they were, like, trying to interrogate him, like, hours after he was supposedly robbed, like, he couldn't explain what, (laughs) like, why there was, like, this huge gap in time, and then, like, they eventually figured out, like, hey, this dude's a fuckface, he fucking totally took this money. But that's what I have on DeFeo Jr. Um, it's terrible what he did, seems like a real piece of shit, so. I mean, for all you know, uh, now that you're telling me this, like I said, I don't know, I don't have previous, that's all pure speculation on my part, just spitballing here. You got... What is it, Big Ron over here? He's got all this pool. Probably little Ron sees all the stuff that his dad's doing. He's got like a safe of stuff. You know, he's able to go get stuff. He's getting upset because he can't get a cut out of it. He already hates his mom's cooking. That's just, <laughs> that's enough to put any man over the edge. I don't know what his beef was with his siblings, but apparently it was enough for him, you know, to go full Bronson on him, but... You know, maybe he just, he wanted yeah. to get him and, like, take the, the cut that he had. Do we know what happened to this guy? Well, I mean, he, he went away. He, like he's, he's is he locked eight, up? Yeah, he's, he's serving eight life uh, sentences. Oh, wow. uh, and, and he even, uh, as quoted, saying that once he got started, he couldn't stop. Yeah. So, I mean, it... it I, I can't I can't say that something... Uh, paranormal supernatural influenced any of this even though he likes to throw that story out there well, I mean, i'm pretty to sure the voices told him yeah, I mean, yeah i mean i'm pretty sure in the 70s you know maybe he did maybe he did hear something so you, you i like i like that you keep focusing on the 70s you keep focusing on the 70s and bringing it back to the 70s do you know what also happened in the 70s 
And this is this is a cultural change, yes. right? or not a cultural change. MK Ultra? No, no, no. No, no, no. That's uh, uh, oh my God, uh, the Exorcist. Yeah, oh. there was the a, Exorcist was, was a phenomenon. That, yeah, like, it was a huge phenomenon. The, the Catholic Church literally was saying that they had like a, a spike of people going like, "Hey, I think this person's like possessed. Can you right. come over?" Yeah, and uh, I, I think that's what kind of fueled the whole story in general is, uh, like, I, I know the satanic panic didn't start happening in the 90s, but it wasn't until recently that the devil was actually introduced into religion as a physical manifestation of evil, right? Because if you look at religion from far, far back, I mean, there there is no mention of the devil or Satan or anything like that. Well, I just want to say, growing up as a Catholic, the devil was always thrown in our oh, face. Oh, yeah, we and, do. Uh, oh, yeah, well, because like now Catholic that there, there was a physical representation of them. Yeah, well, again, like I said, it's the 70s, the exorcist thing is going on, um, there's not a lot of, like, mental health thing being talked, you know, literally you get called a loon, yeah. you know, uh, yeah. yeah, I just, I, you know, maybe he did think it was supernatural because, you know, he had swings and whatnot. And see, and, and that's the other thing, too, is that, uh, we, we can debate this all day, Right, just on the DeFeo murders, because we we don't even know if any of the drugs he was using were um, influencing him. Because I mean, heroin, LSD, and speed—you could there, there's possibilities of hallucinating on those. I would assume that they were a very big factor into what he did. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so I, I I don't know if I would put any any weight behind him being influenced by any paranormal no. uh, entity or He's anything. He's a piece of shit. Yeah. <laughs> okay, but guys, I'm sorry. I need a pause. I need another margarita. Okay, we're back. <laughs> <laughs> we had a reload. We have snacks. What are these? Pulparindo. <laughs> margarita gen is a whole different gen. Yeah, it's true. But anyways. Alright, Eric. We are going to be talking about the haunting part, right? With the Lutz family? Mm-hmm. All right. Take it away. <laughs> okay. So, I'm going to start this off like a chapter. Mm-hmm. Like a scary book. All right? So, enter the Lutz family. All right? Now, the Lutzes, they consist of, I believe, five family members, right? Let me double check. I yeah, five family members. Which is Kathy, the mother... Daniel uh, Lutz, the uh, son, Missy, and Christopher, and then of course George, who it seems like all of this was centered around because it affected him the most, right? So, 13 months after the murders is when the Lutz had purchased the property, right, which is, uh, what, 112 Ocean Avenue, Mm -hmm. right? And I want to give you, because this really truly is kind of what inspired what haunted homes should look like because I mean this is a traditional Dutch colonial it's I mean a beautiful house it has those infamous arching windows in the front I, it's it's a very beautiful house that almost screams anybody if like if anybody were to look at it they would almost say there's something special about that house that house is haunted as fuck <laughs> yeah <laughs> basically so right so they move in and they purchase this house for like a steal 
And that's not to say that they weren't aware of what happened at this. They were fully aware that the murders had happened here, and that's why they were getting the deal. And they had all agreed upon this, as far as my understanding goes, right? Mm -hmm. And they moved in while the house was still fully, fully furnished. There were, there was no changes from what had happened uh, prior in the house, except for, of course, the bloody mattresses. Well, I sorry to interject. No, I, have, no, of I actually have like written down what they bought and kept from oh, the family. Really? Yeah, because okay, so George Lutz bought the dining room set left in the storage, a girl's bedroom set for Missy. What the fuck? Oh wow. Uh huh. A TV chair and Ronald DeFeo's bedroom furniture. What the fuck? That the murderer, yeah. <laughs> he got the murderer's But stuff. then, they got for free seven air conditioners, two washers, two dryers, and a new refrigerator and, this and a freezer. this is during the 70s, though? Yeah. Whoa, that is a lot of moolah. Mm -hmm. How many air conditioners? Yeah. Seven. That's, air conditioners over there were, like, <laughs> insane. Yeah, so, I'm sorry. Like, I took that down because I was just like, excuse you, what the fuck? <laughs> right, and that's on top of the, pur the, the purchase purchasing price of the yeah. home. Like, it was a steal. Mm -hmm. So I guess I, I can't really blame them for going for this, right? I know. Where's my haunted house? <laughs> <laughs> right? So, again, they were fully aware of everything that happened in the home. Uh, and it was almost immediately after the family had moved into the home that paranormal... Well, not, I guess not necessarily paranormal activity started happening, but strange accounts started happening. Because it was almost like the same day, if I'm not mistaken, that the dog had immediately tried to hang itself, right? It, it was almost going crazy, like if it kind of sensed something was wrong with the house. Mm -hmm. And it had jumped over a fence and tried hanging itself. And it actually dangled there for a minute uh, before George went over there and uh, released it and then, you know, readjusted its leash so that it wouldn't do that. And uh, this this was actually a favorite dog of George. I mean, he actually loved this dog. It was it was a, it's a dog that is actually kind of kind of be prominent in the story throughout, mm -hmm. because you'll see its gradual decrease in activity yeah. as the story goes on. Uh, but as I said, George was the one who was affected the most, and it was almost immediately that he also was affected in the sense that he almost started feeling like uh, a sense of worthlessness, right? Because his hygiene began mm -hmm. to to ver deteriorate very fast. I mean, he started not taking baths, shaving. Uh, he did own his own company. It was a surveying, a land surveying company. And that suffered throughout this entire uh, stint. They were there at the home. Uh, well, what's weird, though, is that... So, he... I think it was, like, not until, like, I'm jumping a little bit ahead, but he didn't shower until uh, Kathy's brother's wedding. Oh, that's right. And also... That's right. And it happened right after Christmas. Yeah. Yeah. And so, like, that's, like, two weeks of not showering. <laughs> dirty ass. But also yeah. what's crazy is that... Um, it was like, the 70s. I want to throw that out there. <laughs> <laughs> no, but also Patchouli. was that... Everything no. Oh God. But um, so they also made note that like they didn't have sex at all, like oh, during right. that time. Right. 
And like, this was the seventies, and everybody swore they weren't having sex, but that wasn't true. I just want to throw that out there. <laughs> well, no, they they made note that not once did they have sex, but that like since they had gotten married, like they were fucking doing it every goddamn day, and so that's why it was so weird and out of character for George. But anyways, talking right. about his dirty ass. Well, no, I mean, I, I think that that just adds to uh, George's. Uh, what do you want to call it? Like deterioration. His, yeah, his deterioration and what was going on in the house. Because also, enter Father Ray mm-hmm. or uh, what was his full name? Father Ray Mancuso. Right, and uh, that sounds like a that that would be my stripper name. <laughs> <laughs> Say that again, it please, is. Jen. <laughs> Father Ray Mancuso. And then you come out with <laughs> cannolis. Yeah. Just, just squeezing the cannoli cream yeah. all over you and stuff. Right? Coming to the main stage. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? So uh, he, he entered to bless the house. And he claims that immediately as he entered the house, he heard a deep, malevolent voice demanding that he gets out of the house. And I think that's something to, to really put a highlight on. Is that this wasn't just a voice just saying it. It's not something that he claims kind of just uh, said it. It was demanding him to get out of the house. And uh, he blessed the house. And it was soon after that he started claiming that he started getting ill. Mm-hmm. Right? He had fevers that he could not break. He started to begin to break out in boils. Which almost, uh, I, I think my sister has a different opinion on the whole subject. But... Uh, I kind of put it in relation to stigmata, right? Like he, he's getting these these this this effect from the house mm-hmm. that uh, I don't know. Like I don't know if it was because of the entity that asked him to or not d- demanded him to get out mm-hmm. or what. Or well, I actually from so I'm gonna be throwing in stuff that I read from the book, mm-hmm. and so. This is what the book says. After he left the house, he went to his mom's in Queens. And when he arrived, his mom said he didn't look well. So he went into the restroom, looked in the mirror, and he had circles so dark under his eyes, he thought they were dirt. And so on the drive back home, his car started being forced onto the right shoulder of the road. And his hood actually flew up while he was driving and it smashed his windshield. And so he ended up uh, getting stalled out there. He was able to get a con- in contact with a nearby priest, and that priest had to take him home. But then when the priest drove back himself back home, his windshield wipers turned on by themselves. They were going crazy, and so it was just fucking weird. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. But anyways, yeah. back to it, sorry. Well, see, but uh, even then, uh, that that's something that kind of makes me question is like, well, how deep do these hauntings go? Because, I mean, uh, it makes sense that it would immediately affect the family that's that's connected to the house, right? That, yeah. That's where the residual hauntings are. But, well, I always assume from what I learned and basically read through esoterical stuff is usually if you're oblivious to it, it takes mm-hmm. a while for you to, like, connect it. Yeah, you know, it, it wants to, like, not shock you into it. It wants to give you a essence of normalcy so that you kind of are not freaking out about it. Okay. So it really starts feeding off of your 
life oh, essence energy. Okay. And usually people that have like a gift or are in some kind of you know mystical thing or religiously blessed are the ones that feel it the most because it's like a slap mm. to them. They want them to get as far away as the people that they're trying to coax into it so that they won't be you know you get what yeah. I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, I so, understand. What so you're usually it's like people of the cloth and you know uh, cleansings and stuff like that that really you know shake up the hornet's nest and like paranormal right. kind of thing really okay. piss them off yeah but the <laughs> thing is is that usually they'll go in and they'll do it and they'll subside for like a couple of weeks mm-hmm. hell maybe a month and then it'll just come back with a vengeance well see and, and that's the interesting aspect of this entire story is because this you know spoiler alert this only happened within 28 days mm-hmm. of the day that they moved in to the day that they left. So this all happened immediately. And the one thing that I lack from this entire story is, what was the goal? I don't fully understand the goal. I think that um, well, he was over his head because like he even like mentions, like, how the fuck am I going to pay for this house? Oh, correct. Whatnot? Right, yeah. yeah, because during the time... Uh, that all of this was happening, he was stressing because his land surveying company was almost going under, basically. He old, owned a huge amount of money to the IRS during the time. And, uh, yeah, I mean, he wasn't showing up to work, and a lot of his employees were saying that that was strange of him. Mm-hmm. That even if he was feeling ill, normally he would always show up to work, right? So, it's at this time that the chills begin where he cannot keep himself warm at all. And it doesn't matter where he is. He could almost be in the immediate vicinity of other people that claimed that they were perfectly fine. But he just could not keep himself warm. And this drove him to keep the living room fireplace going at all times. Mm -hmm. Yes. And he would be chopping wood all the time to try to keep this going. Can you imagine how stinky he was? Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> like that when I read that and it was like realized like this motherfucker was probably sweating outside and then going sitting in front of the fucking fire and just sweating like sweaty balls. Gross. But anyways. Well, no, yeah. Uh it was the 70s. <laughs> women loved so sweaty balls. So he was balls. a hippie? <laughs> yes, women loved sweaty balls with I a don't hint think of patchouli. Anybody's ever loved sweaty balls, but um, there's like a, a lady. There's a select. There's a, there's a lady right now that's like in the semi. She's like, I love sweaty balls. Well, yeah, I'm pretty sure there's a lady out there right now. If we have any listeners that's listening and saying like. Ryan Reynolds sweaty balls? Yeah, all day. You know what? With That's hint, all of Twitter. With a, <laughs> with a hint of patchouli. Oh my yeah. Gosh. But anyways, he's not keeping warm. I'm just saying Woodstock was like a stew of sweatiness and patchouli. Oh, God. And they were still out there, you know, yeah. Just, just under boob you know. sweat and armpit hair. Just no, you know, no deodorant. Just I don't know. I, I kind of got to say that under boob sweat is like the nectar of the gods, too. Uh, I'm just saying, like, and, the, and this is this is under heat with denim. Oh, yeah. You oh, know, no. Denim. And, and suede shoes and brown this is, suede this shoes. This isn't like your normal denim. This is 70s denim that has been heavily starched to maintain its integrity. Like, they, the pants can stand on their own. Yeah. So, <laughs> They're so starched. I'm just saying, like, but anyways, continue. <laughs> <laughs> right? So, as we mentioned, uh, he continued to chop wood almost throughout this entire thing. His obsession was 
the fireplace. Uh, and then the instances began to intensify. And this is where they claimed that they began to saw noxious green slime start to drip down from the walls. Mm -hmm. Right? This is when the, the flies began. And this was a constant nuisance. Like, I don't know if anybody out there understands how annoying flies are. If you're from but, Texas, I, I'm pretty sure you can oh, trust yeah, the absolutely. or in the country, but yes, that it's via very... Right? Even the noise of them is irritating. So, imagine, right, a few flies, it beginning as a few flies, and then all of a sudden you get swarms of flies. Mm -hmm. And that's what they had to deal with. So, these are just all things that are, I think, are building on their stress levels. And again, I, I can't attest to whether or not this is residual energies, negative energies, from the, the gruesome atrocities that happened before, right? That's not arguable. The DeFeo murders happened. Now, whether or not something was left there is a whole different story, right? Because we could probably do a whole different uh, episode on why this is all bullshit. But right That's now, true. we're just going to tell the story. Yeah. Right? But so... They are infested with swarms of flies. Sometimes, you know, just a few other times where it's a swarm. And these are people who are also dealing with a new home, uh, financial struggles, and then now marital struggles. So I, I, I couldn't tell you. I, I have my own opinion, but I couldn't 100% confirm whether or not this is a true haunting. Or, well, I'd also like to point out that in the book, they, they specifically say that the, the flies were always, like, concentrated in Kathy's sewing room That's right. facing the river. That's right. Didn't you encounter something fly-infested one yeah. time? In your oh, yeah. yeah. It was at the old house, right? No, it was here. Oh, really? Yeah, and this house, Dad, because Jesse, I think he was in Louisiana, mm -hmm. and then, um, like, just overnight, just a fly infestation, like literally like in the movie like you could just stand and just hear the collective buzz of flies yeah and dad like had to come over and like afterwards dad was like admitting like yeah i was scared but i didn't want you to be scared so like we really? made yeah so like we made a game of killing all the fucking flies and, and like they were like literally like covering the light switches like these things hanging down literally mirror to jesse walking around with a bunch of blue priestess and like charles uh -huh. at the time thanks jesus but really? yeah. i didn't know that this had happened until like she recently told me maybe like mm -hmm. a year ago mm -hmm. something wow. like that okay. and at the time i literally was that's what i had gone to louisiana yeah, you for can, you can ask dad like he'll he'll tell you because we looked around the house they're like, is there fucking rotten meat? Is there a fucking dead animal under the house? Yeah. Something. But, like, we couldn't find nothing. Like, it took, like, three days to get the fucking flies out of the house. Well, you know, that's funny, right? Because uh, another one of the speculations is that the entity that was in the house was Beelzebub, mm -hmm. right? And I don't know if you're familiar with Beelzebub, right? Mm -hmm. He's the Lord of the Flies. He's one of the higher echelon of demons. Mm-hmm. <laughs> why what why do you give that i'm look? just looking at jesse fucking, <laughs> fucking around over there in goddamn new orleans and i'm over here like fucking getting attacked by flies and shit but okay continue <laughs> right so and now again 
the instances intensify, right? Mm -hmm. And this is where George begins to wake up at 3 a.m., which is approximately the time that uh, Ron Jr. had killed the family, right? This is when the, the murders he committed with the DeFeos. And it's, it's at this time that he begins to start to claim that he sees his uh, wife, Kathy, start to levitate mm -hmm. off the bed mm -hmm. and start to move across it. And that at one time, she had transformed into an older lady, mm -hmm. uh, a wrinkly, white-haired older lady. And I don't know if he was aroused. That's what I want to know. <laughs> well, it was the 70s, so I can say yes. <laughs> well, that's strange because you skipped over to... So the book literally goes day by day. Oh, right, right, right. So what what instance did I miss? Okay, so let me let me look at my notes real quick. So we talked about the flies. Um, okay, so the morning of December twenty third at three fifteen, George wakes up to find that the front door, which is approximately two hundred and fifty pounds, was open, hanging on a hinge. Wait, what? A, a two hundred and fifty pound door? Yeah. What the fuck? Exactly, hanging on a hinge. So, Kathy woke up because it was so fucking cold, and she sees George struggling, trying to put the fucking door back on the, on the, whatever the fuck, the frame, mm -hmm. and they end up having to actually call, like, a locksmith to, like, fix it. And so, let me see what else. Uh, she, Kathy checked on all the kids. They were all sleeping on their stomachs, which... Oh, yes. That she noted that they, she's never seen them do... That's right. And then is that supposed to be in reference to how the other people got killed? Mm -hmm. Right, and and see, and that's why they say that they this may have been like a residual haunting, mm -hmm. is because st stuff started to mimic the way De uh, Ron DeFeo Jr. was describing it, right? Sleeping on the stomach, the way they, the DeFeo family was murdered, and so on. Well, I I can sh just shining on the supernatural stuff that I know. Okay, usually like if there's a murder. And it's very violent. Yes, okay, there's a residual presence that sits there. And it's usually recreating the elapsed time that happened to it. Right. Not violent, just recreating, which means haunting you. Uh, right. Freaking you out, kind of making... Well, it's like watching a movie play out. Like a traumatic event sits there, yeah. you know. But nothing really violent. Oh, well. The only time that stuff really starts to get out of whack, where, like, it wants to mimic the violence that happened there, is, like, if there's, like, a... Well, that, that would be considered an active haunting at that point, right? Is where I think uh, something starts to interact with the physical world. Well, yeah, right? but I'm I, saying I where it... Because it, when it starts to, like... Because it, it'll keep kind of trying to repeat what happened. Mm -hmm. But when it, like, kind of obscures a little bit and, and it starts hurting outside of it, like how you said, the, the priest and whatnot. Mm -hmm. Like, now that you say that, maybe it, it could have been some kind of... a. Uh, demon or kind of like a spirit mm -hmm. of sorts that did start it off because this guy's still locked up at this point right now right mm -hmm. right right so it's not his energy of him dying in there as well and then kind of keeping it alive right this guy's long he's he's alive he's just locked away so and there, whether you have restless spirits that are going on yeah they'll haunt you but this sounds a lot more malicious you know and you bring up a good point right so why is it that the haunting was centralized around the house when the very murderer is still alive? Wait, why so aren't the trauma why aren't the traumatized spirits haunting him? Mm -hmm. 
right? Because I don't believe there's any claims of him saying that he was haunted in the yeah, and, and in the cell, up. yeah, while he was locked up. I'm I'm starting to think that you said Indian Indian burial ground, desecrating holy land, right? <laughs> I'm thinking you know, it makes sense. <laughs> you know, I don't I don't want to be rude. But it's just in my nature. But do you know the tribe that was around that area? Oh, I, I have, have no that idea. Written down. The shiny cocks. I thought it was shinny cocks. It is shinny cocks, but I can't <laughs> help it. I can't help it. The and I'm shiny just saying, cocks. Like, just the fact that they were hit financially every single time, mm-hmm. it's something that takes into like stealing the Native American land and what you know. Right. It's a curse, right. basically, essentially. You know, hitting them financially, their family, and then essentially. Killing off the bloodline of whatever it is yeah. that, you know, desecrated that land. But anyways, I, I just, like I said, I, I didn't read too much into it, whatever. Well, I just want to note also, during this time, the kids also started to experience their own personality changes. Where mm-hmm. the boys were, like, becoming, like, really violent with each other. Right, right. And then this is also the first time that Missy mentions Jody. And so, Missy asks uh, Kathy, uh, I think she says, do, Mama, do angels talk? And, Ooh. yeah, and, like, so... I don't have that detail, actually. That's yeah. actually very interesting. That's Kinda very spooky. fucking creepy. <laughs> yeah. But... Because all I have is is that this is the time that she, that, that yeah, Missy begins to say that she has an invisible mm-hmm, friend, mm-hmm. who is Jody, mm-hmm. who looks like a pig. Right? And oh, well, she doesn't mention yet that Jody... Oh, she doesn't? No, not yet. Because uh, the way I understand it is that this is a very interesting detail, right? Because why is it not like a humanoid-looking figure? Why a pig? This is strange considering the time, right? Is is that a pig? This this isn't something normal to, to describe as what's a, a demon, you know, like or a spirit that's haunting at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that that is very interesting, and wow, that is pretty fucking creepy. Mm-hmm. Like Mama do angels again? Yeah, like if Ooh. I if Sal like fucking ever says something like me like that to me when he's older, I will just be like, we're going to church, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> like Mama, why does the burn man always cry? Oh no, oh, shit, <laughs> we moving. <laughs> I just want to say, and three minutes into church, and she would be walking out. Let's go back to the pig man and see what he has to say. <laughs> Alright, so I, I think this is like already week two for George and all these stresses, right? And this is, I believe, where he begins to turn his obsession to the boathouse. This is where he starts to just constantly check the boathouse, whether it's locked and whether it's uh, uh, secure, if there's something going on in there. And uh, again, the dog is beginning to deteriorate as well where it was active before where it was constantly barking and always almost seeming like there was someone around or something around this is where the dog begins to almost be uh what's the word i'm looking for where like he he's not he's lethargic he's lethargic exactly that's a perfect that's a perfect thing because uh in his little enclosement when george would go out he would get excited and now you know, the dog is beginning to just kind of sleep through everything. Mm-hmm. And he's just tired constantly. And I don't know if that's because of the, the energy that it's exuded because he's fucking constantly seeing all these things, possibly. Well, that and uh, it's cold and he's a, they yeah. keep him outside. Like, what the fuck? Yeah, and that's true. But uh, he begins to get lethargic. And uh, he his obsession is on the boathouse now. And uh, so 
you might have a better timeline of where this is now. But from my research, this is where George wakes up, right? Mm -hmm. And I believe it's 345. It's closer to 4. Because before, he would say that he would wake up at like 3, 315 mm -hmm. on the dot constantly. Yeah. But this time was strange because he noticed that he woke up at 345, right, closer to 4, but he had this unsettling feeling of just no other. He just had this feeling that he needed to check the boathouse. And he goes down to the boathouse and he inspects it and notices that I think it's unlocked, right? So he locks it back up and as he turns to go back to the home, he notices that Missy is standing in the window right and he thinks this is strange but he sees her and then it's at that point that he begins to see the red eyes that are standing behind her mm -hmm. and as he approaches the house closer he sees the pig face the pig entity uh reveal itself so he he panics and he runs into the house and he runs to missy's room where he only discovers that she's asleep mm -hmm. peacefully almost like if nothing was disturbed and this is just mind-blowing to him. Again, like he is on the brink of insanity. He does not, I mean, the, the, his stress level is so high that I don't think he understands what's going on or what, what is happening. And uh, again, like his physical and mental states are just breaking down. Mm -hmm. And th I think this is also the time where they beat the kids. Right? Is this where... It, it's around that time. Yeah. Um, but you know what? So, this is interesting because it's on it's on December 25th. Mm -hmm. So, it's Christmas. the Before, like, all of the present opening and whatnot. Mm -hmm. And so, in the book, it says, George did wake up at 3.15. But he woke up because Kathy uh, woke up and she began yelling. She was shot in the head. I heard oh, the explosions wow. in my head. Wow, that's yeah. a good one. And so he got her to fall back asleep, but that's when he was just like, I need to check the fucking boathouse. Fuck, like, you know, okay. he went outside. Okay. And then when he did come back inside after seeing the red eyes, he um, went into Missy's room, and the only thing that was moving was her little rocking chair. That's right. Oh, my God, I can't believe I forgot that that detail. Yeah, so that that's the only other... In like thing that I wanted to add. And can I just ask a question? Okay, so how? Okay, this is going on with this family. How long have they been in right now that you're talking to? How long have they been so this physically is like in week three? In the, that no, that's not even that long. That they've been living in this house that so far has been going on. Okay, so they so that was December twenty fifth. Okay. They didn't move in. Let me see. I'm opening the book. I'm sorry. They moved in December eighteenth. Okay. So that is about a week in. So they've had a week. And this is all, all this crazy shit's already happening. And it's been happening within a week. <coughs> yes, within yeah. a week. Okay. Yeah, and, and that's how intense this, this haunting they claim is. Uh, right, so now the physicality and abuse from the family, which had, by all circumstances, right, by all their friends have, have claimed that they're good people, right? So for them to begin to become physically abusive and verbally abusive to the kids was almost unheard of. Mm -hmm. And uh, how long afterwards did they move? Like, how... They're living right there. It's been a week. How long has it been since the actual murders happened? 
13 year. months. Yeah. 13 months? Yes. Oh, yeah. Then th for sure this was not anything <laughs> like normal, paranormal, as you may say. This is like... Like, this is fresh. This is like almost like a, a demonic kind of thing. Cause right, right. Not, you know, anything actually like paranormal would have, you know, taken some time to build up. Because they haven't even been in the house, like, recharging it to mm. actually cause it to happen again they literally went in fresh it's been a week well see and, and there's and already actual entities with eyes glowing popping out like this they that house is charged already <laughs> you know and and that's that's actually a good perspective that i didn't think about because yeah let, let's say this house is charged with already the negative energies of the murders and then you have a family that comes in that is already kind of like unquestionable times right and they just begin to start feeding into this it, uh, takes a, it takes a while. It takes a, a, good, yeah. a good little bit, um, especially if, you know, it's, it's been that long, 13 months. Even if it was really ultra-violent, I, I want to say it takes a while. You, you know, you just don't go in there. A lot of these paranormal people know it. They'll go into <laughs> a place, and it usually takes them a couple hours to get little tidbits. And right. if they stay there a day, it gets a little bit stronger. And, you mm. know, eventually, the longer they stay, the more they feel. So they, they physically start to feel ill that they're on the verge of a huh. mental breakdown. Okay. But when a place is filled with demonic essence, yeah. it's a lot different. It's an immediate hit to the gut. You start to feel it right away. You start to doubt your sanity. You start to have malicious thoughts of your own against people that are there with you. You know They, right. they upset you immediately. So, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm, everything that I've hearing from you guys like i said I, I didn't bother to research any of this i don't like any of the movies so you know i'm hearing this and i'm going like oh yeah for sure this is some kind of like demonic force or some kind of uh indian burial curse thing going on that's all i can think of given the facts that you guys are giving me right okay um so also it's throughout this entire time that they keep in constant constant contact with father ray right and it's all of this that Father Ray is also gradually getting worse in illness, right? Like, again, his fever isn't breaking. He's constantly saying that he's being uh, physically or paranoid or uh, psychically attacked while on the phone uh, consulting the Lutzes. Mm -hmm. uh, so, I, I don't know, again, with what is the goal? of whatever this entity is. Or just to keep them away from, you know, just like any type of religious figure mm -hmm. to keep them away from trying to expel this demon from the right. house. Hmm. That, or, well, that's how I understood it, because every time, it, in the book, it seemed like every time that they would try to call each other, mm -hmm. like, uh, there would always be, like, some type of static or crackling. Right, right. But then also afterwards, like, if... Father Mancuso had started feeling better uh, before the call, but right after he would hang up is when he would again start feeling ill. Right. Like, he, he was uh, suffering from the fevers, um, from flu-like symptoms, right. but then also one of the things was uh, the boils on his hands. Yeah, yeah. And so, I, I, I've never heard of that, like, as part of a demonic haunting until this story, so... Well, I mean, like, like I said, because it's a father, it's attacking him, right? Mm -hmm. Makes sense to me. Um, I don't think that 
Catholic Church documents a lot of the stuff that happens to them. <laughs> uh, I, I think in, as far as exorcism, they, they do. I think that's something they do document quite a lot because I can think of a few other uh, I mean, instances I, I where, like, the in order to acquire the right to perform an yeah, exorcism... Yeah, they have to go through the whole process. Yeah, they like, have well, to go through the Vatican I, to actually perform the exorcism. It was like that one famous case of that one kid... Uh, that they 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 try to exercise like literally like four times or whatever. It's like the highly documented one. There's quite a few that are. Well, like yeah, because I know there's one where one lady was exercised, and like a week later they had to exercise like a hundred different personalities or demons out of her supposedly. Well, it's the kid that like literally sparked it off the whole mm-hmm. book of the everything on. I, I don't know. I have to look into it. It's been like years since I been interested in exorcisms like judeo-christian catholic exorcisms yeah huh they seem so not effective (laughs) well there's there's definitely been a lot of documented cases of the exorcisms it seems where because like you again we're in america just because we're in america doesn't mean that judeo-christian exorcisms will work in this native land that judeo-christianity was not brought in so that's why a lot of other stuff actually works better than huh. that yeah. well that's interesting because I always I've always heard it differently right because like the word of God is kind of universal right like and it doesn't matter how you read it I as mean, long I, as you're reading it I guess I guess with conviction that it's kind of universal right? but like I mean like because God's light shines everywhere supposedly yeah you know? I mean but then again <laughs> if you're going in that sense, the way that he's portrayed in Judeo-Christian society, I mean, they make him look Caucasian. You know, not oh, to yeah, get, yeah, yeah. Not to I'm get not too arguing. Not, yeah, not, not I'm an atheist. Yeah, like, not not to get too into it, but like you know, it, it tends to be a little bit diluted when it actually hits something. I guess of that kind of presence and primal nature that isn't concerned about how you, what kind of doctrines you, a man in, you know. Right. Stills on stuff. I mean, if, if you really are, I guess, devoted or whatever, I can see it working, but not to stray from what's going on. But, you know, I, I think, you know, apples and oranges, I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, back to the, to the instances, right? So, I think this is where we begin to start rounding off the, the Lutz's time there at uh, the Amityville house. And this is where I believe around Christmas time, right? Or, or not Christmas time, but a snowy period where the uh, decorative lion begins to start burying its fangs at them, right? Yeah, it's actually um, the like winter? night. Or, well, this entire thing is happening in winter. Mm-hmm. But um, it ha- so the 26th is Jimmy's wedding. That's where he loses the money in the house that was never recovered for the caterer. Mm-hmm. I think it's $2,000. Um, that fucking George ended up having to cover out of pocket. But um, I think that night is when the lion starts bearing its fangs and actually mm-hmm. trips George. Right, and that's where he gets the, the bite mark on mm-hmm. his ankle, right? Mm-hmm. So, again, this is the, unless you have other instances that I've missed, 
but this is kind of the end, the, the end tale of their stay at, at the Amityville house. Because it's that night that you read in the book of a different circumstance, but at least from what I've read uh, from my sources, is that no one truly under, really knows what happened that very night, mm -hmm. but it's, it's kind of speculated that George attacked the family. Right, and that's when they began. That's when they decided to just up and leave and abandon all their their uh, personal belongings to get out of the house. And it just sounds very suspect to me that, like, okay, based on like my conclusions that I'm making, every single thing haunting wise that's going on sounds very like, again, Judeo Christian haunting wise. So I don't understand why they would because. Symbolically, the lion, the pig's head, all that stuff sounds very, like I said, European church mm. kind of haunting. It wouldn't make sense to me if it's an Indian burial ground. Like, oh, well. they would get a different type of haunting. Well, that was just one of the stories. Yeah, yeah, right? but I'm just saying, like, it to me personally, I'm like, it would be something different. Right, so right. So this is actually my next note that, that you're talking about. Well, so December 26th was the wedding. Right. December 27th... Um, George discovers the red room in the basement. Oh, that's right. That's oh my not, god, I can't yeah. believe I forgot about that. It's not included in the blueprints, and so he thinks it's blood or whatever. But So he decides he goes to research it, mm -hmm. and so this is what he gets. Amityville Historical Society reports that the Shinnecock Indians used land on the Amityville River as an enclosure for the sick, mad, and dying. The Shinnecock did, didn't consider this a consecrated burial mound because they believed that the land to be infested with demons. So the the Indians even before, or the natives before they even like showed up, the settlers they believed knew that land was yeah. already it was like tainted. Yeah. Because yeah, and you're right. Because it was also soon after that that he believed that he had an in-house well, mm -hmm, right? Mm -hmm. And and that he he almost. It, it, it wasn't necessarily that it was an addition to the haunting, but it was an addition to a stress level. Yeah, like because he, he knew that it was something like you know you something put two else and that two. he had to deal yeah, with. Yeah, you put two and two together. Yeah, um, so he was discovering different things about the house that he fully didn't understand, and I guess that kind of <laughs> that kind of yeah, it's like kind of makes the movie kind of shitty because he or well, Ryan Reynolds finds like a fucking sacrificial chamber oh, right yeah. or something like that. No, that the movies are just fucking trash. <laughs> yeah i know it's like but that sounds so much more scarier yeah. it was just a plain red room that was just it's weird because you know? it's usually the plain stuff that gets you because if you start hearing footsteps and then you know you a bunch of weird stuff's happening and everybody's like nah just calm down you know you're, you're being it's the house right. and then all of a sudden you find a headstone in your backyard and you start kind of clearing it off <laughs> and you're like, what the hell is this? And you go and like research and you're like, oh yeah, your whole backyard and your front yard is a whole <laughs> graveyard. <laughs> yeah. And you know, eventually you're going to go, oh yeah. fuck. Yeah. Because if I'm not mistaken also, George had constantly heard like some type of orchestra, right? Mm -hmm. Music always playing. He, so there was a couple of times that he thought that there was literally a marching band in the living room. Right, right. Like fucking full-blown marching band in the living room and then he would go downstairs and there would be nothing and it would be like completely silent yeah, yeah. like they were fucking with him they're like haha dumbass <laughs> so you know so and and uh that kind of concludes 
what I had found out. Really? Yes. I have so much more. Really? Yes, and I didn't even finish the book. <laughs> oh my god. Well, I mean, I okay. did a lot of online research. I didn't get to finish the book. Okay, so let me tell you then. Alright, so New Year's Eve, after the kids are put to bed, Kathy and George are still up in the living room in front of the fire. The face of a demon with half of its face blown off in a white hood oh, wow. materializes on the wall behind the fire. Okay, so that's New Year's Eve. January 1st. George and Kathy wake up violently to a cold wind blasting through their room. George closes the window that somehow opened in the middle of the night, only to go into their hallway and discover that the windows in the sewing room were also open. He struggled to close the window facing the boathouse on the river. Once closed, he rushed to Kathy, who was inside of Missy's room. Missy's room was the opposite of the rest of the house and felt like it was blazing hot, like a fire was inside. Missy lay asleep in her quiet room. The only movement was her small rocking chair moving by itself. And when George entered the room, it stopped fucking rocking. Like, no. <laughs> Wait, so how did he know that it was rocking? Because Kathy was in there. Okay. So it stopped rocking when he got in there. So clearly he's the problem with yeah. the situation. Ooh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So also, this is my, my little fucking note about Father Mancuso, uh, about him being sick, all that, blah, blah, blah. We've talked about it. Um, so George and Kathy both report uh, small beady red eyes staring in at them from the window that night. That's right, that's right. And then George immediately ran outside to investigate uh, with a flashlight, and he only found the tracks of cloven hooves as if made by a giant yes, pig. That's See, right. that, that's another thing that always bothers me when people leave these accounts and stuff. Like, I think we were discussing last time with uh, 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 Karen's husband. Mm -hmm. It's either you have glowing red eyes or reflective eyes right because if you have reflective you know red eyes or green eyes it, it's a it's it's a creature it's like some kind of like yeah 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 deer you know raccoon possum whatever you want to call it but if it's glowing red eyes then you know add something you gotta worry about yeah yeah, you know, yeah 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 like it's it's creating its own, it's light. own light yeah it's not refracting anything back yeah. to it, so mm -hmm. okay so I'm just skipping around in my notes, um, just like thinking of what like the big stuff would be. Mm -hmm. So January 2nd, George reports that the garage door was ripped off of the fucking house. Really? I yeah. had no accounts of that. And the family didn't hear a noise. You would think that a garage door being ripped off from a house, you would hear. Yeah, something. yeah, yeah. Well, that's actually really cool that uh, the door theme and the window theme is very mm -hmm. prominent in this because... That's usually one of the first things that, like, demonic or not human entities go after is the windows and the doors. Mm -hmm. That's why usually a lot of people will align it with salt or oh, right, brick right. dust, you know, or uh, a lot of Asian uh, people will actually put mirrors facing towards the door or towards the windows as to where it's open. They'll see their own reflection and it'll shoo them away. Oh, so. Oh. Interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that, that. I think that that. I mean, if it, if this is a work of fiction, I think whoever thought this up was actually pretty smart about. Well, yeah. See, and details. that and that's where I said we can create a whole different episode on uh, <laughs> why it's bullshit. Well, um, so there's also 
Uh, so Kathy reported, like she's actually the first one to report or admitting that she felt something in the house. Oh, okay. So like within like the first couple of days, she felt like a motherly presence, she says. That's right, and the sweet perfume yeah. that she would smell yeah. all over the house. And so during, so that same day that the garage door was ripped off of the house, so she, she <clears throat> smells it again. And she feels this motherly presence hug her from behind. That's right. But then it slowly starts to like make her turn around and to face it. And she passes out because she's like so scared. And her kid is actually the one that discovers her mm -hmm. in her room. And like she's like just like flipping out, you know. Mm -hmm. And so um, that same night is also when George hears the marching band downstairs. But then also... Um, Father Mancuso, he's having his own problems, and this is actually the first time that he is reporting the stench of, like, human feces Ooh. in his rooms. Okay. Uh, and, like, he lives in a rectory. There's other people yeah, living there. Yeah. And so the stench is, like, permeating the building. And, like, it's upsetting him because, like, it they can tell it's coming from his room, it's focused in his room, and they don't know why. Like... They, they light incense, they open the windows, and for some reason, like, it's just not going away. Right. And so, like, he actually snaps at, like, one of, I think he was, like, I don't know, he's, like, a superior to him, basically. Right. That was one of his close friends before, but, like, he snaps at him about, like, how he doesn't understand why the smell is only in his room and nobody else's. And, like, after that, like, their relationship is never the same because, like... He was just becoming so out of character. Right, right, right. Well, basically, he felt like it, he was being attacked probably by his peers. Because hmm. why is it my only room? Like, what do you mm -hmm. guys got against me? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, um, so on January 6th, so George has a surveyor that works for him. Mm. And this surveyor actually has a girlfriend that, her name is Francine. That's right. Yeah, and she's... And she goes into the yeah, house. Yeah. She's a medium, and she goes into the house and tells him about the well that mm -hmm. he discovered by accident basically but she tells him like if it's not covered all the way like those entities can slip up through that fucking well which is like so fucking creepy like I'm just thinking yeah. of the rain, you know? <laughs> but um so Francine tells him that and Francine actually like while she's going through the house she's just like I gotta go I can't stand it. Well, either. see, I, and that's that's right. But I, I thought I had read, and this may just be my poor research, but if I'm not mistaken, she actually has something physically done to her, right? Mm. I thought she had phys something physically done to her where she was knocked to the floor. It wasn't like aggressive aggressive okay now but now, she she felt scared enough to where she said i gotta go like you said what's mm -hmm. the timeline that we're going on how long have they been in here now? this is january 7th when so francine visits the three house weeks no so they moved in oh, i forgot already let me look at the book <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah i mean because this is just for me based on my paranormal well, it seems going like a, way yeah too, it's it's too like rapidly. a day-to-day -day, uh interaction with whatever's going on here i mean whatever whatever entity or demonic force i mean this guy's jumping hurdles immediately yeah it's about two weeks so that's way that's way too quickly for me like this has to be something like very sacrilegious to be going on like mm -hmm. it's two weeks usually like a month or something i mean it's like a red flag for me yeah so 
So that that's happening with Father Mancuso. And so also around this time is when Kathy's brother and his new wife come back from their honeymoon. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think it was due to weather that they stayed overnight at the Lutz's house. And they stayed in Jody's room. Ooh, I, I didn't I didn't read this one. This one's Wait, good. I thought Jody was the... Or, or not Jody. I'm sorry. Missy's room. Missy's room. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry. No, no. I, I'm but, just... Um, I'm listening to you guys and I'm like, I thought Jody was the imagine. Why'd they yeah. give him a room? <laughs> Pigman. Pigman has his own room now? Yeah. So so the, the wife's name is Carrie. Okay. So Carrie wakes up in the middle of the night and like... Let me go to it. Make sure that I'm reading this correctly. Da, 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 da. That basically she's freaking out because in the middle of the night, she wakes up and she sees, I think, a little boy at the end Ooh. of the bed. When okay. we say middle of the night, do we mean like 12 o'clock or like 3? Oh, yeah. Because um, that, that's always bothered me when I woke up in the middle of the night. Usually when I say that, that's like 2, 3, maybe 4. Ooh. And that's well, pushing it. What's even creepier, though, is this little boy actually talks to her. And asks, where's Missy and Jody? Wow. Yeah. Cool. I no, like that. not cool. Yeah, I would yeah cry. that's cool. <laughs> <laughs> I would cry. You know, that is one thing that I did like in the movie. Uh, I know this is kind of going off the topic, but I, I can relate this uh, closer to what happens right here is where the babysitter gets trapped mm. in the in the fucking uh, closet I felt and so says. Bad for her. Look at what uh, Ronnie did to me. And oh, sticks. that's the new one, though. Yes, right. And that's where this kind of relates to me. It's like, oh, my God, that was creepy <laughs> as fuck. Well, I mean, if I wake up and I see a kid in front of me and I'm in a strange place and they're like, hey, where the freak are the people? I'm not going <laughs> to scream. I'll be like, what do you mean, little bro? Like, they're gone. I'm sleeping. Sorry. Like, like get out you're of here. dead, man. Get out of here. Yeah, like, get out of here. Like, who are you even talking about? Well, so that same night, okay. um, so George and Kathy wake up because Carrie's flipping out. And so they eventually go, or well, Carrie and her husband go back to sleep. But George and Kathy decide, fuck it, we're going to do our own impromptu, like, fucking blessing of the house. Oh. In the middle of the night. And so wow. they're going to each room. Like, FYI, it's not that is occupied. the worst thing anybody could do is <laughs> decide if, when you're getting haunted yeah. that you're going to do this in the middle of the night. With ragtag holy water, or as the, <laughs> as the kids do it right now, with what is it that they use those little wandy thingies? Wandy thingies. What? That you were like Literally. last time. Last time that you're like, this house is freaking me out. Go get some whatever. And I was like, that's not even what you do it with. I don't know. It's like a bubble gun. No, like she was like, go get some of that whatever. Oh, the like sage. sage. Yeah. Sage, okay. I'm just like, that doesn't like that's not like a thing. Like it, it works on certain occasions. You can't well, just. Anyways, sorry, but go ahead. So, yeah. so they're going around in the house. There's they start from the top and start making their way down because it's a three story house, right? Right, and um, they're skipping the rooms that have occupants, obviously. Oh, no, that's but um, so <laughs> when they get trouble. when they get to the living room, um, so upon entering the living room downstairs, they began to hear rumbling of a crowd only to hear, Will you stop? Oh. shouted at them. Like, nice. No, not nice. That's, I mean, that's, <laughs> that's, what, happens cool. you, that's yeah. what happens when you skip rooms. You're, like, literally supposed to start from one side and then smoke them out of the way. But like, oh, oh, yeah. They didn't. So, um, on January 9th, which is the next day, uh, that's actually the first report of the green ooze. 
and uh, the kids are the ones that discover it. First. Right, right. And so they're re- they're ready to beat their little asses because they think that they did it, and they're all like, "No, nah, it wasn't us." Like, and fucking George actually tastes it. Like, bitch, Ugh, yeah, why? exactly. Wow, and, I didn't get any of that. No, so he, but he like describes it like as Jello, but um. So he finds ectoplasm and he decides he's going <laughs> to so like let me put this in my mouth. Put it in his mouth. <laughs> oh God! Wow. That's the equivalent of walking into like a frat house and find a gelatinous substance and going let me just find out if this is it's like or not. picking up an open beer in a frat house yeah. and just like yeah fuck it yeah it's kind of warm but okay and so um so this is my my i the la- the next two entries don't go all the way to the the last day because like i got lazy and didn't finish reading the book <laughs> <laughs> but so january 10th um which is the next day Kathy wakes up and she has these red scratches going from underneath oh. her best breast to her pubic bone, and they are literally pubic bone. whatever. Huh? No, it says pubic. Pubic or pubic? Yeah, like it's whatever. right above her. Like pubic mound. Oh, whatever. Well, I was like, what is a pubic it's bone? Right above the clitoris. Okay, Anyways, right. so um, <laughs> it's literally burning to the touch. Oh. So she so. George calls her mom. She goes to the house so that uh, she can, so Kathy can show her mom. And her mom touches it and literally burns herself. Oh, and shit. she's like, Yeah, that happened to George. He tried putting cold cream on it and it burnt him too. And so he, so they, or well, her mom wanted to call the doctor. Right. But uh, George was like, What are we going to do? Like, what? Are, how are we going to explain this to the doctor? Explain this? Explain this, yes. <laughs> <laughs> the, the tequila talking. Mm, tequila. But anywho's, so they end up just like, alright, we're not gonna call the doctors. So she like sleeps it off. Oh but anyway. No, no, I'm just I'm just thinking on the just the very basic nature of like, you're hurt, we need to go to hospital. Mm-hmm. Why would you not call like a physician to inspect well, it? I yeah, just want to say this was the seventies, <laughs> <laughs> and well, I got some maze that'll clear that right up. Well, anyways, so <laughs> healthcare wasn't that grand at this time. I just want to when you got dental stuff, you literally had to wear a whole oh god oh you know what apparatus no. on your face. You had I, to wear the dog cone on your face. I skipped a major event. Sorry. Ooh, okay. um, so the day before this the scratches happen. Right. So it's the day that the the green shit is oozing out. Um, but then uh, in the middle of the night there's a like or not the middle of the night, I guess. But anyways, there's like a storm and Kathy okay. tells the kids like to go close the windows and so let me see, who is it that went up? I don't know, one of the kids goes up, and he's trying to close the windows, and then his hand gets smashed Ooh. in the window, and um, so George and Kathy go up there, they're trying to open the window, and uh, they, like, they can't, like, it's impossible, and so George starts cursing, like, at all these demons, like, he had started doing his oh, own demon man, research. He, wow. Yeah, so he starts cursing at these demons, blah, 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 and finally the window lifts, and they see that the kids' fingers are literally, like, flattened. And they, like, there's, like, it just looks flat. Right. And so they take him to the hospital, and 
somehow no bones or cartilage are broken or damaged. Hmm. Yeah, and so... Well, kids are resilient. Well, I was just like, okay, whatever, that's fucking weird. So that happens, and then, uh, let me see. That same night when they get back home, they all slept in the, like, the parents' bedroom, and then they wake up in the middle of the night to find that some of the windows in the rooms have been ripped off of the fucking windowsills. Right. And so, there's that. They spend the next day, like, trying to fix their house. There's literally over an inch of water pulled up on the floor. Oh, shit. Yeah, like, it, they're, they just are, like, in recovery mode, like, trying to fucking fix things. Like, Kathy's mom had wanted them to go stay at her house. Right. But because there was, like, so much cleaning to do, they didn't. Right. And so, um, the next day, or not the next day, on January 12th, is uh, the last day that I read. Um, but Missy says Jody wants to talk to George. And so George goes into Missy's room, and, and he's like, well, where's Jody? And um, she's like, oh, he, he left for a minute. He'll be back. And then she's like, look, there's Jody. And, like, she's pointing outside the window. And he sees, like, the bright red eyes and the face of a pig. Like, and she's, like, on a second story. Right, right. And then, uh, that's all I have. <laughs> but then, like, from what I can remember, I think there was, like, the white-hooded figure that they saw in the... White-hooded figure? See, I, these, these are circumstances that I okay. didn't read in well, my research. It was, it was the one that, like, with its face half blown off, I think. Like, I'll probably... Oh, wow. I'll probably finish reading this tomorrow morning and then, like, throw in, like, the last of it, the days, whatever. Um, but I, I want to say the hooded figure showed up on the last day and that okay. that's what helped run them out of the house, basically, in the really? middle of the night. Yeah. See, and, and again, that that's not what I got from my research online. I guess these are things that vary, right? Because my research kind of consisted of, like, Partial Wikipedia, partial, you know, independent sources and stuff. And uh, I, I don't know if it's because of later investigations mm -hmm. and stuff. Because, like I said, we could do a whole different episode on uh, what they have admitted is true and what is not. Mm -hmm. But um, my understanding from what I've read is that no one truly knows what happened on that last night. And it's kind of widely accepted that George had attacked the family and that's what drove them to leave the property is because for it to get that far, like an extreme attack, like he was trying to kill them, almost like a reenactment of what Ronnie Jr. had done to his family, to the DeFeos. Mm -hmm. And that's what kind of led them to leave the house. So it's, it's interesting. It's different perspectives. But I think, again, that goes to to show how well-documented this case has been. There's mm -hmm. so many theories. There's so many things that... that uh, well, I feel like it... Hey, guys. Future Jen here popping in. Um, I just wanted to pop in so I could just finish the rest of the story, of, or, well, at least the notes from the book. Uh, I am going to be just starting uh, from January 11th. Uh, this is the day after the windows uh, had, or were basically ripped off from their uh, window sills. So January 11th, the Lutzes stay home to try and clean up all of their mess that the storm produced. 
George brings in uh, the dog, which I don't think we ever mentioned in the entire episode. His name is Harry. So George brings in Harry, and Harry's following him around the house to see, uh, or well, George wants to see how Harry's going to react because uh, the paranormal research um, group that he contacted previously told him that animals are sensitive to these, to ghosts or other beings. So he wants to see how Harry's going to react. So um, when George leads Harry to the secret red room, the dog begins to whimper and he starts lowering onto his haunches. So uh, when George tries leading him upstairs, Harry balks at the stairway on the first floor. He's scared to go up and George forces him to go up. When Harry approaches Missy's room and the sewing room, he acts the same way as he did um, the, with the red room. He doesn't want to go inside and he's scared. Um, and so he goes through the rest of the house and Harry doesn't really have any other major reactions. So when Kathy asks, asks George, what did Harry do? He's upset, he's saying like nothing. He did absolutely nothing. And so, again, um, that night, all of them go to sleep in the master bedroom. And this time, uh, they all fall asleep, and everybody is woken up by George because he's yelling in his sleep, I'm coming apart. So, January 12th. Missy says Jody wants to talk to George, and when she points out the window saying, There's Jody they see red eyes. Uh, Kathy freaks out, running to the window with Missy's little rocking chair and smash, smashes it through the window, and they hear animal-like screams of pain. So everyone leaves the room. Only Chris remains to see Missy is waving outside the window to Jody, like she's saying bye. Later on in the morning, Chris and Danny are dropped off at school, and George has to go to work. Uh, during this entire time, he's barely going to work, um, and the entire time the IRS is trying to set something up so that they can meet with George, talk about his company. Uh, the meeting doesn't go very well for him, but it's finally done. So Kathy and Missy are at home. They're by themselves with uh, Harry, of course, and um, this is when Kathy actually witnesses Missy uh, talking to Jody, or well, she witnesses Missy talking to somebody that seems like they are under the table. Uh, Kathy's on the phone and Missy doesn't realize that she's being watched and so she's like talking um, and like when Kathy finally hangs up, uh, she she talks to, to Missy and uh, she asks her, is, is Jody the angel you were talking about? And Missy says yes. And Kathy asks her, well, what do you, you and Jody talk about? And she says that Jody was telling her that she can stay forever and she can play with the little boy and Jody. Um, and so, of course, Kathy is fucking horrified. <laughs> And um, I think in the book it describes her, like she like puts her hand over her mouth so she doesn't scream. So January 13th, I'm going to read verbatim and try not to like go off what I've written because it's, it's a lot. <laughs> so January 13th, George and Kathy both finally agree to leave the house. 
after loading the belongings and the kids into the van. Uh, when George tries to start the van, it stalls. When he goes outside to check it, uh, he lifts the hood and it begins to rain. And immediately after, a lightning strikes nearby and the van hood falls, barely missing George. So the family rushes inside. Um, by the time they're all inside, they are just literally soaking wet. So once inside, they all wait out the storm. The kids are being noisy, running up and down the stairs all day. And for some reason, the heat is rising in the house to uncomfortable levels. They're saying like 80s. And this is without the furnace being on. So the green ooze also makes an appearance uh, again, only in the door hole of the upstairs playroom. So the family all goes to bed. George, Kathy, Harry, and Missy are in the master bedroom, and the boys are in their own room. Kathy uh, suddenly begins to sleepwalk in the middle of the night, but she's blocked by Harry's body, and so George carries her back to bed. Immediately after, the dog begins to retch for no reason. Uh, after George returns to bed after cleaning up uh, Harry's mess, um, does he realize that the rain has stopped and the house is uncomfortably silent? He begins to hear noises above the room in the boys' room, and he realizes the boys' beds are sliding back and forth upstairs. In his own room, he went, starts to witness the drawers open and shut one by one by themselves. Unable to move, he hears voices downstairs as if a group of people were there, and then the marching band starts up. And he suddenly realizes that they've begun to ascend the stairs. George soon began hearing the doors open and shut all around the house. He can see Harry sleeping in front of the door, and Harry is not disturbed. He's just, like, nobody's disturbed. Nobody's waking up. So the storm returns with the vengeance. While this happens, uh, George is still unable to move from his bed. He then begins to feel someone on the bed with him. And then he feels like as if he's being walked on by somebody with hooves all over him. He passes out either from pain or fear, and he only wakes up because Chris and Danny are both terrified at the side of their bed, trying to wake him up. They tell him there's a monster in their bedroom and he has no face. George is finally able to get out of bed. At the same time, Harry begins barking and growling outside of the bedroom where George can't see from the bed. So he goes into the hallway to see the gigantic white hooded figure on the top step of the stairs pointing down to George directly. So immediately, he goes back into the room. He flings Missy into Danny's arms, and he carries Kathy and instructs the boys to run downstairs. They all do. They all make it into the van. And with, with Harry, I'd like to add. <laughs> um, so George hurriedly backs the van out. There's no problem starting it up. He peels out and leaves 112 Ocean Avenue for their last stay permanently in that house. It's 7 a.m., and it's the 28th day of them living in their house. It's well-documented, but at the same time, not detailed documented enough. Well, and, and like I said, we could get into a whole different uh, discussion about 
Or why? Well, that was also one of the things that, um, so one of, like, the interviews of, I, I want to say it was the youngest Lex kid. Because I feel like I, it's... I, that was Charles, or, or not Charles, um, John Matthew. No, 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 like, the Lex kid, I think his name was Chris. That's right, I'm sorry, I'm thinking, no. uh... Uh, um, the fails. No, but, um, so he mentioned how, like, they never even talked to the kids, I think, and that mm-hmm. Jay Anson was basically, like, using the parents. Right, right. Uh, well, I mean, as far as my understanding, I, and if y'all wanted to do a whole discussion on uh, what happened post what they claimed had happened, I mean, it was Jay Anson who came to them saying, like, hey, man, y'all got a story here you know, let's come up with something. And it was a night of drinking that they come up with this whole story. And this is yeah. the author, right? Of yes. the, of the, the Yeah. I mean, like I said, to me, it sounds like a very creative mind that thought this up. Oh, because yeah. you guys are, are giving me stuff and I'm thinking like, this is like being pulled from different types of right incidents, right. you know? And, and that's where I think a lot of people had already started questioning it. Is because people saw, like, the whole uh, description of a pig. They were like, well, that's kind of strange. Like, a a pig entity. Of all the things that you could describe, why why a pig? You know, it was completely different than what the norm was at the time. Well, um, I guess, like, if if you've read, like, or if you've dabbled in, like, the uh, Grimorium Sigils or Seals of Solomon, you'll get... All the descriptions, and there's two of them. There's the the Paris dude one, and then there's the other one, and there's like maybe like two different variations, and then like there's one insert missing of a demon. But anyways, it literally gives you the description of each and every single one of them. Right. And they all have you know animalistic characters and whatnot in them. So pig, I can see it as being viewed as demonic. It it is widely known. But again, if you're going with Native American burial ground, and right. then you start giving me this, and then you start using the the door thing and the window thing, it's just very, like, if it's coming from inside the house, from in the burial ground, it doesn't have to get inside the house, so it wouldn't have to unhinge the doors. It's literally mm. there. Like, it's a part oh, well, of it. That's, yeah. That was one of the things, though, about the doors and the windows was that Sometimes that they would look like they were being ripped off from the inside. Un- unless, oh, unless, like trying to get out. Yeah. Unless it's oh, iron. Wow. If it's iron doors or iron bars, then I can see it happening. But if, if this is just a regular wood and steel door, then yeah. Mm. But because iron has an effect on certain entities, that's why it's widely used as uh, burglar bars. Okay. So I mean, I can see it if it was an iron door, but you know, it just seems a little too. Hmm. Alright. Well, I guess we can wrap this up now. Um, yeah. Yeah. No, that was good. You did some good research, Jen. I, I mean, I know book. that's the book. <laughs> no, no, I know that's the book. Uh, well, I, mean, I think I had a couple of things that you hadn't hadn't read or heard of. So, I, I think we did a pretty good job on this one. This I mean, was a really good one. isn't the book the go-to source because it's the family. It should. Because it's <coughs> it the family be. and it's the author coming in. So, well, they literally... there's also... So these people did not fucking shy away from any type of interviews. You can yes. look up a, a yeah. there's a Good Morning America fucking interview with them. Well, see, and and this is where 
and I know this may be controversial, but maybe not to like true fans of paranormal, but uh, this is where enter the Warrens. I love them. I, or, well, I love I, Lorraine. You know what, uh, Ed Warren? Uh, no, not a fan. I think they were. I think they. I, I think they were what they said. Right, which were part paranormal investigators, I but like, I think that they believed in it too much. No, I feel like Lorraine was the one that actually believed and felt. I feel like Ed was using it as more of a way to make money and just capitalizing on his yeah. wife's gifts. But that's yeah. a whole other fucking discussion. Well, but I mean, this is where they enter, right? Mm -hmm. Because you know, the the Warrens are almost synonymous with the Amityville. Mm -hmm. Right, but they were only there for one fucking night, and this is where Laura Didio had put together a team of paranormal investigators to try to go in and try to capture something. Mm -hmm. But um, I mean, well, even even Lorraine Warren was saying, like, look, I only felt something in one area, but these <laughs> fucking idiots were like, oh, oh my god, there's something in here. Well, and that stuff. Was I think it's been proven fake already, the photo where they're in the house. Oh, I know, man. I hate that, that that was proven fake. Because that was actually like a son of one of the investigators at the time, right? I don't remember. Something like but, that. Like, I remember the first time seeing it, I was like, whoa, that is clearly the nine-year-old from the DeFeos. <laughs> yeah. And then, like, I read that it was a fake, and I was like, well, fuck me. Well, like, I just yeah. want to say, again, it was the 70s, so, like, you could get really creative with photo imaging and you couldn't yeah. you couldn't be proved because this is all distortion stuff that you learned from like happy mistakes that you would make developing and go man right. this looks cool this looks creepy right but you know you did it and you're yeah and you're absolutely right because there was easy ways to disprove double negatives yeah. right that's where you would put in a separate image onto another uh to another standing image right there was complete easy ways to dis disprove these things but uh actually the the kid that was in that photo has said like yeah or I posed uh, for the I no no he didn't pose for it but he was like yeah that that's me but in in um true spirit of keeping paranormal alive he says let it stand mm -hmm. he's actually admitted say uh saying like yeah that's me but because this is such a great story I'm going to let the Amityville horror continue well I mean like so I it's like I I, I hate to go a little bit off subject but people up to this day when we're talking about paranormal stuff will swear to me that the Texas Chainsaw Massacre was a real thing. <laughs> and I have to like kind of take like a second look. They're like, no, it was real, bro. It happened. And I'm like, what? I'm like, what? No. Thank God I've never run into them because I'd be like, wait, let's Wikipedia this. <laughs> no, and they'll, they'll, they'll be like, no, you, it's not wow. the truth. <laughs> so we'll, we'll have our own Fucking yeah, that's a good one. Eggie. Maybe we should do, yeah, Texas Chainsaw and see the the true history of it. <laughs> it's there's no history. We'll see if it's, uh, what, it's why and where it originated. It's just gonna turn into a game discussion. Yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's gonna turn it. into like me stereotyping Texans that we if it has Texas on it, we'll stand <laughs> behind it 110 percent. Yeehaw! And as I drink my Lone Star beer. Mm -hmm. <laughs> But anyways, I guess we can wrap this up. Yeah, that so, was a good one. I yeah. thank you, Jen. You, I mean, you did a way better job than I did. Well, that was that was phenomenal. I just read a book. <laughs> uh, well. But okay, guys. Um, thank you for listening. Nerd. If 
<laughs> you bookworm. Um, if you have any comments or feedback, or if there's stuff that you've heard that we didn't mention, um, definitely let us know. You could email us at letschatparanormal at gmail.com. You can contact us on our social media uh, accounts. Uh, we're on Instagram and Facebook. It's paranormal.chat. And uh, if you want to be on the show where we can give you a call or if you want to just send in your story again, you could uh, contact us at letschatparanormal at gmail.com. Make sure to like and rate, subscribe, leave us a review, a good review. And please, no <laughs> ghost Ryan Reynolds naked pictures, please. Damn it! You know what? No, I'm okay with that. <laughs> I'm, I'm okay with that. I'm strangely okay with that as well. <laughs> But all right, guys, Let thank the you. Man rest. No. All right, thank you, guys. <laughs> See you later. Bye.